Championship Leadership Podcast, and this is your host, Nate Bailey. Today, I have the uh, the privilege and the honor of introducing you to an incredible guest of ours today, all the way over from the UK. He lives, a fun little fact that I found out from him, just uh, having him on the show is that he's from a, the village he's from is a old Roman village from the 10th century, which I think is pretty awesome. Uh, but but Nick Bradley, who is our guest today, he's got an incredible story. Originally from Australia, moved to the UK. He's got a, a, a podcast called Scale Up Your Business, which I had the opportunity to be, be a host on. And he is areas of expertise. He helps entrepreneurs and invest, investors transform good companies into great ones. And uh, it was just a fun conversation. We have a lot in common. We, we both enjoy, um, I'm not sure if enjoy is the right word, but we both partake in ultra running and uh, ultra running races and marathons. So I had a fun time on his show and then had the opportunity to bring him on to mine. So definitely, absolutely check him out. Check out Scale Up Your Business podcast. Uh, Also check out more on what I have going on at my website as well, natebailey.org. So with that, I want to introduce you to uh, our incredible and amazing guest, Nick Bradley. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back, Championship Leadership Podcast, and I'm excited today. We got Nick Bradley was just on his podcast. He's uh, he's out of a village in the UK called Wandsford, an old Roman village built back or started built in the 10th century, which I think is pretty cool. But I had the opportunity to be on Nick's podcast uh, last last week or a week before that. It was uh, not too long ago, and had a great conversation. Uh, we got a lot of things in common, but excited to have Nick return the favor and come back on our show. So thanks for being here, Nick. Appreciate it. Hey, Nate, listen, absolute pleasure to, uh, to be on your show. And as I said, to turn the tables on the conversation last week, I'm not nervous at all. I'm good. Good. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, first question I'd like to kick our conversation off with is what championship leadership is the name of the podcast. So what comes to mind for you when you hear championship leadership? God, you know what? I was thinking about this a little bit because I thought that might be your question. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, I mean, I, if I think back, I'll answer this relatively succinctly, but if I think back, leadership, either personal leadership, you know, how I've had to evolve and grow and, 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 and learn to lead myself, my choices, my decisions, all the way through my career in corporate and then into private equity and now, you know, entrepreneurship and scale-up leadership has been the cornerstone of any success I've had. And, and anything that I've achieved has come off the back of really being able to progress in that area. So if I think about championship leadership, I think at, it's up the upper echelon of that. You know, it's outstanding levels of leadership where people are playing at the top of their game. They're showing up 100% or more uh, and they're achieving great things as a byproduct of, of that um, standard, that ability. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I love it. I, lo- I always love hearing the different definitions of ways that people slice championship leadership when we're 200 and some odd episodes in and it's it's fun to hear the different answers to that so is it the same a lot i mean there must be a, there must be a common thread between i think it. there's i think there's a lot of similarities but for sure but it's always just explained a little bit differently or there's a different angle that's taken to it and and uh so yeah it's just you know it is always it's a, great name. It's a great name it definitely got me thinking because i thought yeah because I, yeah, I haven't heard it you hear about you know great leadership or whatever else but championship leadership is for me you know if you win a championship in sport or anything like that you are the best you know yeah. the best on the field at that time aren't you so therefore it's yeah, absolutely right pinnacle. what's um well let's let's talk a little bit about you give us a little background on who you are and the path that you've been on and how that's kind of taking you to where you are today and what you're up to today. Yeah, sure. So um, I grew up in a little place called Adelaide, South Australia, which is really, really right down the bottom of the world in more ways yeah. than one. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a great little place, but it's famous for three things. It's famous for really big, great white sharks. In fact, a lot of the um, uh, open water scenes from Jaws and the Jaws films were filmed in, in South Australia. Okay. It's famous for churches, like I'm talking hundreds of churches. Like it's not a big place, but yeah. there are churches everywhere. Don't ask me. I've got no idea why that's the case. I don't think everyone, anyone actually knows. <laughs> and then the third thing that's famous for is, um, is serial killers. Um, apparently more serial killers the, per head of population than any other sort of city or sort of no city in the world. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's crazy. <laughs> so so I, I have had um, some experience with sharks. Uh, but really? I haven't had much experience with the church side or the serial killer side. <laughs> That's good. Other than, you know, going to a school, which, you know, we went to chapel. Yeah. Like Pick your poison, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, listen, I, listen, it was a lovely place, right? A lovely place. But what I found there is because it, it was still a city, but felt like a small town. And Australia is such a big landmass that people tend to sort of stay in these cities. It's not like the US or the UK where there's lots of different places that are in a relatively close proximity. Mm-hmm. So you either gravitate towards a city or you live a long way away. And the problem with Adelaide was that unless you were going to be, it, wasn't, it was never like one of those cities that felt connected to the rest of the world. And unless you were going to be like a, a doctor or a lawyer, accountant, some sort of professional service type of business, it, it didn't give a lot of scope. And a lot of the guys I went to school with, you know, married the girl that they went to prom with and they lived in Adelaide for the rest of their lives sort of thing. And that's a common thread. So. I didn't want to do that. I, I had different aspirations. Um, and that, that came a little bit from my upbringing. So I, um, my father left when I was two years of age and came back to my life about 30 years later. But in, in, the, in the meantime, it was my grandfather who kind of raised me with any sort of male influence. And he had a really full-on life. He was the first Australian 
to run a marathon um, after open heart surgery. Oh. Yeah. And as the story goes, he had his first heart attack uh, about 41, 42 years of age. Wasn't like an overweight guy or anything like that, but um, didn't handle stress very well and used to smoke and not good eating habits back then. Uh, and then he had the open heart surgery uh, in his early 50s. And it was funny, like as I watched him go through these various, various struggles, because I was sort of, you know, between ages five and 10, he was, I was 10, years, 10 years of age when he ran the marathon. And, and I kind of thought, you know, I need to, I need to kind of change things here because he invested a lot in me. He put me through decent schooling, um, gave me a lot of the opportunities that he never had and that I potentially missed out on by my father not being around. And so I felt this kind of need to pay that back and to, and to do the things that he never had the opportunity to do because of his health or because of other constraints. So I started my first business. Um, when I was 18. And that was a personal training business, fitness business. Uh, like I was talking early 90s, 1990s, when personal training was for the rich and famous, not for yeah, the, right. as it is these days. Yeah. And I was teaching, you know, it's funny, I was teaching what they call CrossFit now. I was doing all sorts yeah. of fitness stuff, like, you know, I was ahead of my time. Right. But, um, yeah, it was great. It was good fun. And um, long story short, I did that. And in the back of my mind, everyone was saying to me, you know, entrepreneurship is dangerous. You know, if you become an entrepreneur, you know, it could all go, you know, go badly and you could end up poor and on the streets and all this sort of stuff. So the programming I had for a long time was go to university, get a good job and the rest will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. So what I ended up doing, I ended up sort of sabotaging that first business. I sold it after about two years. It was doing pretty well. I had a few staff. I was only, you know, said early 20s. And, um, and I ended up selling it for a little bit of money, but really because I thought, well, actually, how long can I keep this up? It's all going to come crashing down. I better go and get a real job. So I packed up my car and I drove from Adelaide to Sydney, to the bright lights of Sydney, yeah. um, you know, the big city, and yeah. uh, ended up getting a job in media. And I was the fitness writer and, and then the marketing manager for Men's Health magazine, okay. uh, working for Rupert Murdoch. Um, and the news international empire. So that's the first part. <laughs> this is me, being, by the way. I will speed it up. Effectively, what happened was I spent the next 20 years working in the world of corporate and progressing pretty quickly through the ranks uh, to get to senior leadership, you know, C-suite. I was a chief marketing officer for a couple of companies. And then eventually I ended up becoming a CEO of a couple of private equity-backed businesses. And this is all sort of by my mid-30s. So pretty rocket ship career, uh -huh. you know. but to be frank with you, Nate, I was an asshole, right? I, I yeah. you know, uh, I was, I was so relentlessly ambitious that it didn't matter who got in my way. Uh -huh. I was just going to rip up anything and anyone to get to what I needed to get to. And I believe in life, things catch up with you, right? You know, yeah. there's a point where you can make certain decisions, you can deny things and you can do stuff, but after a while it catches up. And in my mid thirties, I'd made some cash from all the private equity stuff and, and the decent jobs and, you know, nice houses and cars and all that. And I started to get quite sick and I was running at this time too, you know, mm -hmm. doing lots of kind of running to kind of run away a lot from yeah, right. And it culminated in this one event. Um, it was building up. So over the course of that time, my dad came back into my life and he was a lot nicer than what I'd been told he was when he left and all sorts of things were going on in my head. And I remember getting quite sick and then, one night we were closing a big private equity deal, big, big numbers. 
And it was quite stressed. All this other stuff was going on. Running was my only outlet. I wasn't really showing up for my family very well. I wasn't being a great dad. We just had, you know, my first child at that time. And um, I went to sleep that night and I ended up um, cracking all the teeth in the back of this jaw, this right side here. And it was like being punched in the face. Like literally, I got up at three in the morning, went to the mirror. And, you know, this was swollen. I didn't know what had happened. I thought I'd been bitten by something. You know, it was that bad. I didn't realize it could yeah. be my jaw. Yeah. And uh, I went to the dentist the next morning after going to the doctor first. And the dentist said that I'd literally clenched the side mm -hmm. and cracked the whole piece. And, and I was just shocked. And, and they, they, she said to me, she said, the only time that's ever happened before was someone who was going through, you know, really bad bereavement where both their parents had been killed and was stressed because of that. And I'm thinking, God, my world's not that bad. Yeah, right, right. But anyway, so, so that's what happened. And, and after that, I, I spent a bit of time, but I went away. I got some um, personal developments. I put myself in some different rooms. I went to a few Tony Robbins events. I spoke yeah. to some friends and mentors. And then I just totally reinvented um, everything. I took what I'd learned from all that time in corporate and business and scale up and making money for investors, but I wanted to package that in a different way, which was much more balanced. Still about growth, personal growth, business growth, but it's very much about allowing people to create freedom in their lives, to create more balance. And off the back of that, I launched my podcast, Scale Up Your Business, and, and then that just uh, took a life of its own. Yeah. Well, what was the transition? I know you mentioned you were kind of, a, uh, in your words, kind of an ass a little bit uh, on, on that journey up the ladder of success um, inside of corp the corporate world. What, uh, what was the shift for you? What, when did you realize that? When, you, when did you realize that that's not who you wanted to be and, and to, to shift into something different? Yeah, so the, the, the real transition came um, when my father came back into my life and a little bit about him because he, <clears throat> he was a, a very successful entrepreneur. And, of course, when um, parents break up, there's a, a, a fair degree of character assassination that happens on both sides and both sides mm -hmm. have a story. So it's not to say that my dad was a saint by any stretch, yeah. but my mum and him were just not suited. And... Uh, the, what I found out, and the long, the long story short of this is I was an entrepreneur. I had that DNA in my blood. And, and I, I don't think that you necessarily are born an entrepreneur, but you can develop certain skills, but you certainly have certain elements of, of wanting to change things and make a bigger impact. And I had that in me and I felt repressed doing that through um, corporate life. And so what I was doing, I was this frustrated entrepreneur for 15, 20 years. And when I met my father, I'd found out that he'd had multiple successful businesses. Uh, he became a millionaire twice. He lost everything in a, a bombing. It was actually the Turkish consulate bombing in Collins Street in Melbourne. And he had two jewelry, short, uh, jewelry stores, uh, high-end jewelry stores next to that uh, place. And when it blew up, he lost the stores and there's no insurance for uh, terrorism, of course. So he had to reinvent himself in his 40s and then he had another business. And then... I suppose the really shocking thing was this, as, as I met him within that three or four years of him coming back and me actually starting to question my journey, he got cancer and died within uh, nine months. And it's bizarre how these things happen. People turn up in your life sometimes, Nate, to give you something you need. And then once you mm -hmm. get the message, they leave, right? And so that all happened in the space of maybe about, let's say, 12 months. And so I realized that I needed to follow actually what I really am and stop hiding from it and then shift into something. And since I've done that, we're now talking 
five or so years now down the track, total transition in terms of what I do, who I am, and, and actually the, the difference I'm making now. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Who are some of the championship leaders, coaches, mentors, people that have impacted your world? And, and uh, I always preface this with, uh, you know, it's more about what is it about them than who it is, you know, definitely please share names and, and who they are if, if you're comfortable with that. But, but uh, what is it? What are some of the characteristics that really stood out that have helped to mold you into the leader that you are? Yeah. I mean, I'll start with, I'll start with family because, you know, I think sometimes you hear these big names and whatever else, but it's, it's sometimes just the small things that make the biggest impression. So, you know, my grandfather was the person who taught me about, you know, grit and resilience. You know, the, the, there's more to that story I shared in the beginning here about what he went through, right? You know, mm-hmm. all the way through. But he was, he was a bit of a troubled character, you know, but he, he always, he, he pushed himself. And, and that, that same uh, mindset, you know, I learned through him. So there was that. And then, you know, equally around that time, I mentioned my father before, but my mum went through a whole heap of stuff as well. She raised me pretty much by herself for 10, 15 years. So, you know, I saw her, you know, the, the level of, again, resilience and sacrifice to be able to give someone else, you know, a huge start in life, that level of contribution. Yeah. So there's leadership all the way through those stories. And then something quite um, quite amazing happened. As I was going through my teens, I put on, well, I was actually quite overweight. I'm now in kilograms, which won't mean much to you because no one ever does when I talk on US as podcast, but I'm like about 75 kilos now, but I was like 110 when I was a 10 year old. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. What's that? 250 or 60 pounds as a 10 year old? Something like that? Yeah. 110 is like, yeah, that's around 230, isn't it? Yeah. It's a big boy, right? A big yeah. boy. And I was quite tall, um, but I was- yeah, yeah I, I got bullied a lot at school because I was really overweight, and I transformed myself through that by by you know effectively I realized no one else was going to save me right, and there was no one yeah. else around me who was going to help me. So I I started to sort of tra- change myself. But there was one coach I had in um, in high school, a guy called Stephen Weber, who was my basketball coach, and he he had a really interesting way about him. First and foremost, he believed in me. Mm-hmm. disproportionate amounts of belief. And he was incredibly compassionate, you know, in just in terms of how he showed up. So he was a talented guy and everything like that in terms of his success. He's now a really successful um, headmaster in one of the big schools in, in Australia. But he, um, he didn't have to show that. You know how some people just kind of really comfortable in their own skin. They don't have to be any more than what they are. And just how they show up is really, really powerful. Yeah. yeah. So I learned a lot about gravitas and and empathy even though it's probably not my strongest suit i learned a lot about that through him and then you know through my career i'll just name a couple of others um similar sort of things there's a couple of guys in my corporate career who really stand out i had um, a guy called david kettle another guy called philip thomas and they were just really great at galvanizing people behind a mission you know creating vision getting people really really clear on the end point and and then really just constantly communicating that vision. And I've taken that everywhere. I, I think back to what I do now in business scale up. And one of the things we start with is purpose, which is really about the why behind the where you're going. And a lot of that was was taught by those guys. And then if we if we go forward, uh, jump forward a bit in terms of people that everyone would know, um, 
the biggest transition for me emotionally, psychologically was, was attending the Tony Robbins events. Yeah. And it's funny, right? You know, I've, I've had um, coaches since then and mentors since then, as I try and build out what I'm doing, growing my empire. Um, and I've only met Tony once personally. Um, but the impact that guy's had just in terms of how I see things, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little bit of a cliche, it's the movie, The Matrix, the red and the blue pill. Yeah. But after I had that experience, I saw things a different way. And I wouldn't have had the impetus, I think, to step into the fear that I had about entrepreneurship, um, the, you know, leaving the safety of a really well-paid job to go out there and, you know, be the source of my own future and income and all that. Had I not sat in, you know, four days of, a, of an Unleash the Power within with Tony Robbins. Yeah. yeah. So th- there are a few. I mean, there are others, but, but, you know, I'll stop there. But that, what I've done since, I've had different mentors in different capacities, but they were the ones that kind of got me up to that turning point. Yeah, great. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's, uh, you know, there's so many people that do that come across our path and, and uh, they create, uh, create shifts for us and, and make, lasting impacts that that also help us to go and impact others so i always love to to hear those stories so thank you what's what's the vision for you uh with what you're doing right now uh you get the scale of business podcast and everything else that you're doing and more so you know championship leaders i think uh yeah we talked about a bit about football when we were on yours right american football that i, I do follow american football I, I i've been watching american football since i was a let's say teenager possibly younger Okay. So Bill Belichick and Nick Saban are two that I, I mention often on this podcast just because, you know, they're the best of the best in, in the world of what they do at the highest level and they keep winning. And, and it's, uh, it's very rare to, to see that happen. And it's very impressive, to, especially in today's day and age of uh, professional sports with how everything is just kind of set up and situated with around the, you know, whether it's a salary cap and things like that. But they have. They obviously have an incredible vision and the courage to take action on that. Right? They're seeing. They're seeing things that others, at the at their highest level of uh, competition, can't or don't, or maybe they see it but they don't have the courage to take action on uh, for whatever reason. So, I always love to hear like, what's the vision for you and the impact that you want to make um, on the path that you're on? Maybe even just short term, you know, over the next five years. Yeah, I mean, I have a twenty year vision, right? And I and I and I. I write it down and I work in um, effectively what I call five-year cycles. Mm-hmm. So I have my, my book here and I do it. It kind of works out in terms of age groups. So I'm 46. So this is project 50, right? So it's my plan for the next five years that makes me move towards my 20-year vision. I love that. Yeah, it's, I'm really structured. And, and I think um, I've become better at that because I'm naturally more of a visionary, certainly when I was a CEO of, of private equity businesses, I was good at the strategy, not so much at the detail. But you know, to use a couple of the examples you were saying about Belichick and Saban is that it's a certain skill to be able to rise up, you know, to let's say thirty thousand feet and see the vista in front of you, right, and to see far enough ahead that you can kind of craft something that's compelling and exciting. And it's not that I don't think. Any, anyone can do that. I think what you said before is right, that sometimes it's a little bit scary going that high up to be able to see that. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't have an issue with, with that. So, so I, you know, when I look forward, I, my whole thing, right, is I'm trying to create an impact on the world from an entrepreneurship standpoint 
through, through creating business empires. And empires get a bit of a bad rap sometimes because they're kind of like, you know, you think of Genghis Khan and <laughs> empire building in business. Yeah, right. But, I, but I've got a really full-on view about that because I, I actually think that we're seeing a, a disproportionate level of influence through entrepreneurship and empires at the moment. So you look at the big businesses that are starting to be created, um, you know, the Amazons, the, the Apples to name, but a few you could argue Virgin a while back. Um, certainly what um, Elon Musk is doing. You've got these entrepreneurs now that often have more power and more wealth than some governments. And it's not, I don't have a political bias to any of this. It's more just the fact that, you know, entrepreneurship can be used as a force for good if given the opportunity to do so. Yeah. So what I'm focused on doing now as I, as I create my own empire to have, you know, more impact. And I think I've I mentioned when we spoke last, I've got seven companies at the moment, and, and that's going to continue to grow. We're probably going to have two or three more launching before the end of Q1 next year, plus there's a couple of acquisitions. What I'm doing is I'm trying to create, and I am creating more scale, which means I can, I can do more and be more. So my, my personal, um, this was my purpose, if you like, is, is, is constantly learning, becoming the best version of myself, constantly challenging myself, taking myself into places which feel uncomfortable so that I can start to increase that temperature gauge and become more comfortable. And what I do every single day is I help people do the same. I do it through business. I do it through going into companies that are struggling to scale, uh, where the founder, the entrepreneur has lost hope, overwhelmed, burnt out, don't know what their next move should be. And I go and get them unstuck. But as I'm doing that, I help connect them with the stuff that really matters. And quite often, it's about having a bigger vision, to your point, than what they started with you know, beforehand. But if I jump forward 20 years, there's a couple of things I want to do. One of them's purely just because it's fun. And the other one is because I think it's going to make a bigger, a bigger change. So starting with the latter, I want to, I want to have entrepreneurship uh, much more accessible to people who don't understand the skill set and mindset of it. And when my father passed away of cancer, one, someone said to me, I forget where it came from actually, but it was something along the lines of, imagine if the cure for cancer was sitting in, in some, some person's head in a developing country. And just because the education systems aren't set up well enough, that person's idea could never be shared with the world. And so I want to build out that accessibility. So we have a foundation and we have a few other things we've created where we are starting to provide really good mentorship to people who wouldn't normally get access to that. And so that's what I'm doing on that side, which aligns with the business piece on a personal level for fun, because I'm a massive sports head. Uh, I want to buy the Boston Celtics for my 60th birthday. Now I went so mad, Nate, that I actually worked out how much it would cost to do so. Yeah. <laughs> I've looked it up. I know what they how last. How much is it going to cost at, at the age 60? Well, I was trying to do some weird algorithm. At the moment yeah. it's 3 billion. Yeah. Right. Uh, so jumping forward, what are we now? 15 years. It was some ridiculous number like 25 yeah. billion yeah. <laughs> like yeah. knowing what the cost of capital and how that's changing but right. you know what i'll just finish the point here it's not about buying the boston celtics right i love the boston yeah. celtics i've got larry bird sign things sitting up here yeah. but it's what it feels like to sign the check because you know to have to be able to sign a check like that imagine how much change and how much difference you would have had to have made in the world yeah that's the right thing. Oh, that's huge i love that that's a, that's, you know, that reminds me of uh, Gary Vee, right? He, he constantly is talking about buying the Jets, whether he will or not, who knows, but 
Um, everybody knows that. About like that. Yeah. And I, and I remember hearing, I mean, that, the inspiration might've come from that. Actually. I can't remember where I came up with the idea other than I've been talking about it for a long time, but sometimes I think people don't set big enough goals for themselves. Yeah. And you've got to have something that scares you a bit. So, you know, I have no idea how I'm going to achieve that today, Yeah, but I have the vision and I have the, um, the intent to do yeah. it. That's incredible. I love it. What, uh, what, why don't we switch gears here just a little bit and, you know, I always love to hear like, what's that critical moment for you? Uh, kind of that fork in the road where had you made a different decision, you'd be in a very different place, right? Obviously you did make the decision you ha- have, which has you where you are today, but there's a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, especially 2020 is a much different year than one we've ever experienced probably for most of us and a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, some, some of us may be going through these moments daily um, and it's always tough to navigate. It's always hard to choose. I feel like there's always a, a direction that we know that we feel that we want to go after, but many times you'll see many don't have the courage to take that route. So um, powerful to hear how you might've um, chose in that moment. So is there a situation or a moment that comes up for you as I ask that question that you could share? Yeah, there's a couple actually, and and um, I'll share some different ones. I mean, obviously the 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 when I had the the incident, the dentist incident was called. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what happened after that was effectively a decision, um, or certainly an intent at that point, but a decision was made very quickly afterwards because I went to that Tony Robbins event two weeks after that and made the decision in that event yeah. that I was going to quit everything that I'd built. So that was definitely That's a huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, right. And, and a lot of people, and this is an important thing, I think for some entrepreneurs, cause there's a different, there's different views on this. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger says you can't have a plan B you've got to be focused on plan A and all that. I had, you know, million buck house, you know, nice cars, private schools, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't going to walk into my private equity firm that day and quit. Yeah. What I did do is I said, I made the decision and then I spent effectively nine months building what I do now. And the yeah. podcast was part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, sometimes there's this romantic idea that you've got to burn the boats and throw everything away. Right. What I say is, well, yeah, that might be romantic, but doesn't pay the bills. So quite <laughs> frankly, you know, make the decision that's different, yes. but be strategic about how you execute. Right? That's a huge, that's a huge distinction. Right. Um, and I think that's yeah. good for people to hear because oftentimes you do, you hear the other perspective and you might be hearing it from people that haven't actually gone and done that right no and and we can get all excited you know we can go and do um as much personal development and meditation as we want but quite frankly there's a rationality uh, and a practicality to things yeah. and so i think the people who are the most successful can balance those two edges yeah <laughs> right so that that's definitely one uh i'll share one another one which is quite interesting um because it's just sometimes back to the whole sliding doors there's a little bit of weird um what do you call it? Fates or something that sometimes happen. And when you look back, it's strange. And I remember when I moved from Sydney to come and live in the UK, which obviously now I've met my wife here, I've got friends, kids, um, you know, everything like, you know, there was a very, very um, specific point where that happened. And I'll just share it quickly because it's interesting. So I was applying for a job in London. I was going to get transferred by my company. So it was a tra- an internal transfer, if you like. And I went for the job interview and they were taking three candidates forward and I ended up coming fourth. And so they called me out and said, listen, Nick, you did, didn't, did all right, but you didn't quite make the top three. So we're not going to take you through to second interview. 
And then one of those candidates in the top three dropped out. So I got scraped in as the third candidate, right? Yeah. Whatever else. And anyway, what ended up happening, I worked really hard for the interview and I ended up getting the job. All right. So I went from fourth to first, if you want to call it that. So in, in whatever way, in the space of a week. And everything after that changed. Everything opened up. You know, I've now lived in the UK for 17 years with a couple of stints in the US. But I think it's interesting, right? Sometimes those decisions, you know, I could have easily said, when they called me up, I could have said, no, listen, you didn't put me in the top three last time. You know, I'm not interested. Yeah. I could have done that. Yeah. Right. Like that, right? Yeah. But I didn't. I showed up. I played full out. I uh, got the job. And then, you know, who knows what would have happened? You know, but it's interesting. They're, they're definite moments that kind of stick with you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, sharing those. I really, yeah. So I just hope that, you know, it, as you're listening to this and you find yourself in those moments, you know, the, the hope behind that question is always just to, to help you to, you got to have that courage and, and take the action. And, and like you just said, it's like, Hey, be smart. You don't have to, you don't have to burn the boats and, and, uh, you know, put, put your livelihood or your lifestyle or your relationships as well, uh, at risk by, by taking these big, crazy jumps and, and make sure that you, you're being realistic and rational about it as well. So, yeah, but the decision is the important piece, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to, to get, you can take ages to get to the decision point. You know, you can, yeah. you can, you know, it's literally procrastinate around it, but once you make it, then, then that's, that's the freedom. You feel free after you've made a choice. I feel. Yeah. What's, um, as we start to wrap this up, what, you know, if there's one or two things that you could give to the listeners, um, that if they were to implement today would help them move their life forward today, what would that be? So I'll draw on one of the things you said a minute ago, which I think is important is I think often, often people, when they're not on the right path, you kind of intuit, intuitively know it, like you feel it in your gut. And, mm-hmm. and my, my belief is this, whether this is right or wrong and who knows what would have happened. Um, had I have not tr- changed things after the, um, the dentist teeth thing is that if you're listening to this now and you know that you're not doing the right thing, you're not doing the thing that's going to light you up, that you're passionate about, that's your kind of purpose. Um, just first and foremost, stop and take stock and, and look at how it's affecting other areas of your life. You may not even be, you know, realize it, but you know, are you showing up how you want to show up for your kids or, or are you showing up as a frustrated person who's, who's not necessarily happy with their life. Because I honestly believe that if you, if you hold on to that and you don't face the fear and step into it and be brave and have courage, it's going to come back and get you at some point. So it could end up being like my grandfather's heart attack. Uh, it could be that, you know, even worse, you stay in something you like for 25, 30 years, and then you look back and realize you should have something different, done something different. Yeah. And that's the first thing I would say. Um, be brave enough to make that change. And the second thing, which I think has probably been the foundation for everything I've done is don't be afraid to ask for help. And, and I didn't do this for years. You know, when I was the ass back in corporate, I thought I knew everything. It was me just being scared. When I started to move into what I do now, I, I surrounded myself with different people, some mentors, some people I just wanted to, you know, work with in partnership, some people that hold me to account. But that whole ecosystem of really amazing people does two things. It first and foremost gives you a bit more courage and conviction because you feel more confident that you've got people around you, you've got a team. And the second thing is, um, I think it's harder to let people down. Yeah. You know, 
Um, so I think that's the thing. If you, if you, if you, if you don't know what your next move should be, firstly, ask for help, get someone who can guide you to the, the place that, that you want to get to. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Powerful. What's, um, what are a few ways that the listeners can find out more about obviously your podcast and everything else? Uh, that you have well, they can, they can right come now. and they can come and listen to you, Nate, on scale up your business. That's what that's what I'm talking Actually, about. Yeah, dissect, you know, Nate Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> we did talk a lot about running and our passion for ultra running on that, so you can get a dose yeah. of it. Um, yep. Yeah, so people can reach me there. Um, if you've got a business, which I mean, the people I work with are people who usually have a business that they want to grow and scale and sell for eight to nine figures over a three year horizon. So if you're in that, that area, then my podcast will help. Plus, we've got the Scale Up Your Business community on Facebook, which is, which is growing in a very nice community for entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the main place I hang out is, you know, people can get me on LinkedIn. I tend to be on there all the time. You know, you can send me a message. I try and get back to people as, as much as I possibly can. I always get back to them, but it's not always as, as crisply as I'd like these days. But um, as I said, my commitment is I always go back. We'll get that linked up for sure for everybody that uh, might be driving or do, doing something else right now. And and uh, appreciate you, Nick, for, for, for coming on. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Hey, Nate. No, very much. I uh, appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Years of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'm gonna lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer. We can do anything we want. I said it, then I meant it, I probably already did it. Consider it done. If you need some inspiration, you should play this championship leadership podcast.